Today, I talked to Mark Johnson, the founder of Student Learns RX. Oh, and I tell you, this is a conversation that the Christian entrepreneur has been waiting for. He dives deep with his seven principles into the heart of Christian entrepreneurship. You're going to love it. Stay tuned. Welcome to Reinventing Perspectives, the show that's made for Christian entrepreneurs. We're going to talk about everything from faith to business principles to profitability, to strategy, to tactics, to self-care. If you need it, we'll talk about it. I'm your host, Priscilla Shumba. Without wasting any more time, let's dive into our conversation. Today, we've got a really exciting guest. We have Mark Johnson, and he has over 30 years of experience in investment and planning. Mark is a Christian entrepreneur and has founded a company called Student Loans RX. Mark, please introduce yourself to our audience. Thank you, Priscilla. It's very nice to, to be here with you. I've always been interested in business, even when I was a teenager, and I knew I wanted to be a stockbroker. That's what we called them 30 years ago here in the United States. Now we're called either financial advisors or wealth managers, but I knew I always wanted to do that. I grew up on a farm in uh, Minnesota, which is a very cold state in the wintertime. As a young man, I was very interested in entrepreneurial activities. I started raising cattle as a source of income when I was 12, 13 years old. And so that was just a passion of mine. So I always had plenty of money when I was uh, in my teenage years. And I'll tell you a quick little story. I started out, I think I was 11 years old, with one little pig. And I paid five US dollars for that little pig. And that little pig grew up and I sold it for a hundred dollars. And then I took half of that hundred dollars, fifty dollars, and I bought a small male calf, so a cattle, and then I grew that thing up two years and I sold it for eight hundred dollars. Then I took five hundred of the eight hundred dollars and I bought five calves. And so I was always interested in that. And when other kids were out playing ball or fishing or other things, I was interested in my mother would say that I was always working in my journal book on how much I'd spent on the cows and how much grain I had to purchase and all of those things. So I've always been interested in being an entrepreneur. Where do you think that comes from, Mark? Because it's so interesting that at such a young age, you were thinking logically about how to earn and how to create value. Well, I think that we're made in the image of God. God is a creator of all things. He gives different people different gifts and interests. And my interest was always in uh, entrepreneurial things and business. And, you know, I also had some good mentors, which we'll maybe talk a little bit about. But it was just always an interest of mine. I didn't grow up in a, a poor family, but we didn't have a tremendous amount of money. We, I'm the oldest of four. We had uh, everything that we needed, and that was fine. But I always, I think maybe a little bit of me was looking over the fence and seeing that, um, you know, we never went on vacation when I was a kid. We lived in a, in a rural area and, you know, there was plenty of things to do in the summertime. We didn't have to go to Disney World or anything like that. And so, but I did know some people that, you know, went to Florida for a week on the beach or went skiing in the mountains and we just never had the money to do those things. So some of it might have been, I don't want to say it was purely um, just a gift, but, you know, looking over the fence a little bit, maybe wanting to have a little bit more than what my parents had. But but I've always always had an interest in, in entrepreneurial things. How do you quickly understand that this is the gift that God has given me? 
I'm not sure how quickly you can figure that out, but I know that there are tests that you can take. And if you were just to Google, you know, assessing my my Christian gifts or assessing my gifts as a Christian, there's a number of tools out there that can kind of help you walk through that. I think the other thing is, is if you're in a Christian community, ask your friends, ask your family, what do you think I would be good at? What are the qualities that you see in me? You know, especially for older people that have, you know, I'm 52 years old. And so when I visit with a young entrepreneur, I'm always asking them, questions like, you know, what is your interest? Tell me a little bit about your family background. What did your parents do for a living? So a lot of times it's interesting today that a lot of young people end up doing something totally different than their parents. And and that's a great thing. But in former times, that wasn't the case, right? Many people followed exactly in the footsteps of their parents. Now, in the environment that we are in, people can really explore what their gifts are, just what your interests are, what your preference is. You know, living consciously and being aware of what it is that you're gifted in, called to do, is really important in the life of a believer. Now, Mark, I know that you've prepared for us seven principles of being a Christian entrepreneur. Sure. I've been in business one way or another for 30 years. I had a a pretty successful corporate career in the investment industry. I hate to say it, but I really wasn't living out my faith uh, during the first 20 years of of my career. And there's a Bible verse that is, I kind of consider it my life verse, which is Matthew 6.33, which says, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added unto you. For the first 20 years of my career, I was living it in reverse. I was doing all the things that I wanted, and then I was seeking the kingdom at the end. And so one of the principles that I think is really important for a Christian entrepreneur is to understand they have to be started in the right direction. I went 20 years in the wrong direction. Now, by every measurement that the unbelieving world would look at finances, material things like a house and automobiles and nice trips, nice clothing, or what whatever the world would look at to say, he's successful. I checked off every one of those boxes, but my marriage was in horrible shape and ended in a divorce. I didn't spend a lot of time with my kids. So there was a lot of things because I wasn't bringing glory to God. Nothing wrong with the work I was doing, but I had my priorities in the wrong place. And so one of the things that I've thought a lot about, especially in the last two or three years, is if I were to address a group of young Christian entrepreneurs, what would be some things that I would share with them and basically lessons learned in my journey as an entrepreneur. I don't believe that this list of seven is fully exhaustive. I'm sure there's a number of other principles, but seven things that I've identified that were really important to me. And again, I wasn't doing any of these right, okay, for 20 years. I want to acknowledge that. By the grace of God, in 2009, he let me run to the end of my rope. And by his grace, I try to work every day uh, to please him and bring glory to him in the work that I do. The seven principles that I would encourage your listeners to, to consider is, uh, number one, a having a good foundation, and we can talk a little bit about each of these. Number two, what is your motivation? Is your motivation money? Is your motivation to bring glory to God? Is your motivation to have prestige in your community? Three, what are some traps? What are some places you shouldn't go? I worked really hard. I was very successful in my career, but it came to nothing 
because I wasn't doing it in a manner in which God wanted. God was not the priority. What are your gifts and skills would be number four. I was not going to be a professional football player, right? No matter, not in the United States and not in football in the rest of the world where it's, we call it soccer here in the United States, right? If I would have said, I want to be a professional soccer player, that would have been a complete waste of time and money. And who knows how long I would have gone. Sometimes young people can get off on the wrong path. You know, maybe they idolize somebody, a uh, a football player or a a musician, and that's kind of where they want to go. I don't necessarily think, you know, there's the saying, follow your dreams. You don't want your dream to be a nightmare, right? You need to make sure that you're on the right track. I would say number five, advisors. So any successful enterprise, whether it's a business or a ministry, no one person has all the gifts and skills to bring that organization to success. And there's going to be a requirement that you bring in people to help you. Again, I think this is another one of those things that sometimes when I was younger, and I still fight this today, it's it's my business, I'm the boss. But what I have to learn is that I don't have the skills and expertise in every area uh, that's required to run a successful business. And so I need to bring in people uh, to do that. And then finances would be number six. God's economy is different. I've got three books that I think your listeners would would enjoy uh, reading. Uh, If you're going to have a successful business or a successful ministry, and then timing. As an entrepreneur, we have this great idea. Uh, We're going to come out with a new product, a new service, or or there's an existing product and service out there, and, and we have this idea to make it even better. What's your favorite food, Priscilla? Oh, I'd have to say ribs. I'm a meaty person. Okay, well, we would get along fantastic. So ribs, now there's a lot of different barbecue sauces out there. Do you like barbecue on your ribs or do you like your ribs dry with a rub? Yeah, I like mine sticky and, you know, with some kind of a sauce on them. Okay, so let's say that we started the Priscilla and Mark Rib Company and we came out with some new way to make ribs. Now, I'm assuming they make ribs the same in Australia as they do in in, uh, St. Louis, but there's different sauces, right? So maybe you come out with this new sauce. So sometimes you come up with a a brand new product, a brand new idea, but then other times you have an idea to improve an existing product. Bringing a business into being takes time. And sometimes I think that young entrepreneurs, we get so excited about our product, so excited about our new business that we're not as patient as we need to be. Again, the seven things that I've kind of identified are foundation, motivation, traps to avoid, gifts and skills, advisors, finances, and timing. Now, if we can start with the foundation, how can we incorporate this in terms of like habits as a Christian entrepreneur, morning routines as a Christian entrepreneur, so that the audience can leave with, okay, the foundation, and this is how I can do it. Yeah, sure. This is a journey, and I don't know that we ever arrive. I don't think anybody that starts a business gets to a point where they say, okay, there's what I'd like to share with your listeners today is something I'm kind of still working out, which is the mindset of a Christian entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's the title of a book or something. We'll see. But the idea behind this is that as a Christian, okay, we are called to live different lives than the world. Now, Jesus said that we're in the world, but we're not of it. So we're here on the planet, 
And we have to eat and we have to have clothing and we probably have to have some form of transportation. And so there's all kinds of things that we can be doing as a human being on the planet. But as a Christian, my priority is to bring glory to God, right? It's not to generate profits. And this is where uh, hopefully we don't have thousands of listeners drop off, okay? But, But the Bible says that if we seek first the kingdom of God, everything else will be added unto us. And so I would just underline the word everything. So whatever God has for you, if you seek his kingdom first, and so maybe a good thing to do in the morning would be to set aside 30 minutes for a devotional and some prayer time. Create that habit seek first the kingdom of God. And so maybe you start your business day with a 30-minute devotion. A lot of people start their morning with a cup of coffee and maybe they go to the gym and work out or but maybe a 30-minute devotion or fifth, maybe you start out with 15 minutes. It depends on how quickly you want God to bless your business, I guess. God's economy is very different. The Bible also says that he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Everything on the planet is his. So think about the chairman of your board, if you will, as God the creator who has all the resources, all the knowledge, all the opportunities that exist, and he's the chairman of the board. That'd be a pretty easy company to get off the ground, wouldn't it? Definitely. As a Christian entrepreneur, we should not be approaching business the same way that an unbeliever approaches business, knowing that we're to seek the kingdom first that we're not to be anxious. I mean, I struggle with that. I think every every new business owner struggles with being anxious at times, right? You know, um, I've got this new product. I Maybe I just hired a staff person. I got to make enough money to feed my family. I need some money to buy this new piece of equipment. There's all these things, you know, is the packaging on my product okay? You know, all of these issues that a business o- owner has to go through, there's plenty of opportunity to be anxious. But the Bible says in Philippians, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. So we're supposed to be thankful. God has given us an opportunity to start a business, and we're supposed to be thankful for that. So when we approach him, let's say the chairman of the board, right? When we approach the chairman of the board with thanksgiving in our heart, let our requests be made known unto God. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, I know the plans I have for you declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope in a future. If a Christian business owner can start out with those truths, and I would say a great foundation is to read the book of Proverbs. I mean, the book of Proverbs has got so much wisdom in there, and I believe the best business book ever written is the Holy Bible, Proverbs. It's a fantastic book. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Uh, In a man's heart, uh, in a woman's heart, You know, a man plans the course, but God directs his steps. So I guess as a foundation, the principle number one that I'm advocating is that you get started on the right path and that you reflect on the creativity and the wisdom and the resources that God has available for his children. And so if a business isn't successful, then I guess the chairman of the board has other plans Mm -hmm. for the workers, right? As my point one is make sure you're starting out, seek first the kingdom of God, and then everything else will be added unto you. Yeah, I absolutely love what you just said about understanding that God is the chairman of the board. You know, as early entrepreneurs, you're, a lot of times you're trying to do this and you're trying to do that and you're 
getting anxious about this and you're overwhelmed by that. And to bring it back to understanding that, look, who is your boss? The person who sent you. If God is the chairman of the board, he has the answers and the strategy and the vision and what to do next. Even just to bring sanity to entrepreneurship. As a Christian, I think number one, that foundation is very important. Now, I know your next principle is motivation. Now, I'm thinking of motivation in in a little bit of a different way, Mark. How do you keep going as an entrepreneur? Because you continue to face challenge after challenge after challenge. And as a Christian entrepreneur, how do you handle keeping that motivation alive? Because you're following something that you believe God sent you to do, and it's getting hard along the way. One of the greatest obstacles that an entrepreneur has is fear, mm-hmm. fear of failure, right? And timing, which is my seventh principle, kind of plays into this. We want our businesses to be successful very quickly. So I left my very successful corporate career in 2009 to start the business I have now. And the first three years did not go well at all. I was very discouraged. And I mean, I worked 60 hours a week for three years. And after three years, I just said, God, is is this not what you want me doing? Again, I told you I wasn't going to be a professional football player, right? So I was like, what else am I going to do? I've spent 20 years in the investment business. And here I go to start my own investment company. And in the first three years, you would consider me a complete failure. And I just kept working hard. And what kept me going was that I had a community of Christian men, in my case. I belong to a, a, a Christian business organization, and these Christian men, uh, many of them are business owners. Some were young business owners like me. Some have been in business for a while. But you need to be around Christian companionship and friendship to encourage you. But then the other thing is that I trust in the Bible. I, I trust Jeremiah twenty nine eleven, where God says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. So when the going gets tough, okay, uh, the old saying is the tough get going. But that's a secular phrase. If it's not working, well, then work harder. But again, Christians don't have to work harder, okay? Christians have to be in the will of God mm-hmm. at all times. And so so this is the thing that I think a Christian entrepreneur, and I wish I would have gotten this much earlier in my life, is that a Christian entrepreneur does not have to be anxious about their business. Now, we're human, so we are going to have some anxiety. The, the Word of God is true. And so if someone can believe in the Bible— And then there's other things you're going to have to do. You can't just believe in the Bible and lay on your couch and expect your business to flourish. God has work for us to do, and we're to do that with all of our heart, with all of our strength, and with all of our might. You can continue to be motivated in your business by surrounding yourselves with mature Christians who can encourage you on, right? We're supposed to encourage one another. Thank you for sharing that and for being so candid, because... I feel a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with this area of motivation. And like you said, a lot of times what is really readily available and everywhere is a lot of secular teachings about go harder, grind harder, hustle harder, do do more. And that's not the portion for a believer. What are some of the traps that you've seen, Mark, that entrepreneurs typically fall into? You mentioned one of them is that there are a lot of strategies in the world that business professionals have 
created over time, sales strategies, you know, always be selling, right? When I was a young salesman, the first sales training program I went through was the Dale Carnegie Sales Advantage, which is a fantastic program, by the way, and he was a Christian. Dale Carnegie wrote a great book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. It's one of the top selling business books of all time. It's a great book. But I also went in to some sales training courses that were very manipulative. And they trained you on how to, you know, put together a presentation to get to the right answer. And it, it, it always made me feel a little bit fishy, okay? A little slick. But I had a sales goal, and this is what the company wanted me to do. Now, I didn't lie to people, but it always felt a little manipulative, you know? And so, you know, one of the traps is that we can buy into these sales strategies or business concepts that maybe don't align with our value. As a Christian, we're supposed to be the light of the world. And so I would just say that there's a lot of great business books out there and sales training and those types of things. But if you get involved in something and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit is, you know, kind of whispering in your ear, you know, this just doesn't seem right. Or it's, I don't think the way that I'm approaching this customer is honoring to them. That would be one trap, I would say. We all have pride, something we all struggle with. And so if somebody's focus is on money, now again, finances are very important. But if your focus with your business as a Christian is simply to make a lot of money, then we know what the Bible says about that. The Bible says the love of money, not money, but the love of money. The love of money is the cause of all types of problems. And so if, if a Christian entrepreneur is adopting the idea that I started this business and I'm going to make a lot of money, that's my goal, to make a lot of money, then that's a problem because they will compromise their values because to make a lot of money oftentimes in the world requires compromising values. And so the motivation to start a business should be to bring glory to God by serving people. I'm not saying that the business shouldn't be successful and that you don't need to pay attention to finances. You absolutely do need to do that because God says you know, he wants us to be good managers of the resources he gives us, the talents that he gives us, the people he puts under us maybe employees or staff, the people that we're supposed to lead. So we are to be a good uh, steward or manager of those resources. The primary goal of a Christian entrepreneur cannot be to simply make a lot of money. I think the Bible's pretty clear on that. So that can be a trap. Um, another trap, I'll just give you two more. One is to be in partnership with unbelievers. So we're supposed to be equally yoked. We might have suppliers that are non-believers. We might have customers that are unbelievers. That's fantastic. But I think if you're going to go into business with someone, you don't want to go into business if someone is not a believer. And I've seen a lot of businesses fail, and I've seen a lot of Christians compromise their values because they got into business with someone who was not a believer in Jesus Christ, you know, because they said, well, they've got a really good business idea, or I need a really good salesperson. I'm a good technology person, but this person is a good operations person, and we've got this idea we're going to start this business together. Uh, I think the Bible's pretty clear on not being unequally yoked. And then the other one I would say would be debt. So that's maybe part of finances, but I think that you have to be really careful when you start a business that, that you don't take on too much debt. 
those would be some traps I would say to avoid as a Christian. Jesus said this, who goes to build a tower without first counting the cost? It is important to have a good, well-thought-out business plan, but debt can be a real problem and an impatience. You know, I love the way that you've really highlighted these issues because a lot of times we don't think about things as deeply. Things like you just mentioned, like partnership, being aligned in values. And you can't be aligned with someone who doesn't believe what you believe because already that's, that's a source of friction and trying to build something. So, And also the idea of operating in extremes. I think you've brought that out really clearly. Oh, I'll just pray and lie on the couch because I'm waiting on God's going to show me something. And also operating extremes where all you do is you run with your own energy to try to make things happen. And as a believer, you forget to come back to center yourself in the word. I think your next principle is gifts and skills. I think we touched on it a little bit, but, you know, go ahead and share some more with us on that, Mark, please. Uh, the Bible's very clear that for believers, God has given everybody gifts and certain interests. And, and when people find the right profession, like, I mean, I love what I do. I can't imagine doing anything else. And when people can find that, then that's a real blessing to them. Ask God to reveal those things to you. This is a really important one. Someone gives you an idea and you rush and you start a business or you hear, oh, this is happening. And then you rush and you start a business in that area. But the thing is, when you operate outside of your area of gifting, business is already hard enough. Statistically, so many business fail in the first five years or so. 90% or better, I think. Yeah, 90% or better of businesses fail. A skilled man or a gifted man, I can't remember the exact verse, will serve before kings. So really the power of operating in your gift is something that all Christian entrepreneurs should really take the time to investigate and dive into what is my gift. That's in Proverbs, by the way. I'm going to take you back a little bit, Mark. When you're talking about sales techniques, I think this is a really, really, really big one. Because a lot of the sales teachings out there, of course, they're circular. And as a Christian entrepreneur, I know for myself, and I think a lot of people feel this way, you do feel a little bit icky about certain ways that people teach to sell to the point where people don't want to sell. But you can't have a business if you're not selling. So being directed to those resources, to like Dale Carnegie, where he's a Christian writing about sales is really important as a Christian entrepreneur to gain that confidence really to dive into selling because you need to sell. Right. Doing business by the good book. Yeah. Uh, David Stewart is a, a very, very, very successful businessman here in St. Louis. He owns a huge company, a huge technology company, worldwide technology, and, and he's a Christian, and uh, he's got 52 lessons on success. David Stewart, Doing Business by the Good Book. The other one here is called How to Prosper in Business Without Sacrificing Integrity, and this is by uh, Rick Box. And Rick runs an organization called Integrity Resource Center, Unconventional Business, and they're based in Kansas City. There are a number of, of resources out there. I don't read as much as I need to read. I kind of skip to the YouTube video. I was listening to one of your previous podcasts uh, with a young lady in uh, Lexington Events, I guess it was. And she referenced a book that I have yet to order, but I've watched Chris Voss's videos on YouTube probably got about 10 hours into the videos. I could have ordered the book and read the book by now, but um, it's called Never Split the Difference, The Art of Negotiation. And he was an FBI negotiator. So here's here's a second plug for, for some of Chris Voss's work. And I really think just caring about people and approaching people, you know, not trying to lead them a place they don't want to go. 
And I think it's true that we need to be in front of people uh, because we want to serve as many people as God would allow us to serve. I don't like the word sales so much anymore. I'm not sure if I've come up with a better word, but maybe serving is, is a good word for, that a Christian sh- should use instead of sales. Maybe it should be, I want to serve as many people as possible or as opposed to as many sales. So again, what I'm kind of trying to work out in my own way, because obviously I'm in business, I need to have new customers or I'd like to have new customers, but I'm trying over time to think of, I want to be in a position to help more people as opposed to, I want to get more customers. I want God to allow me to help more people. When I told you earlier that after starting my business for three years, I was a complete failure after three years of working 60 hours a week. And I was just like, dear God, what am I, what am I going to do here? You know, I had some, the encouragement of some Christian friends. I was reading my Bible. I was really trying to seek God. He did a unique thing in my life. I'm going to share this story with you real quick because it's a real miraculous thing. So my business as an investment manager is obviously to help people with their finances, right? And at that time, I was focused on doctors. Doctors in the United States make pretty good money. I was focused on doctors that were kind of close to retirement so that I could help them manage their investments, you know, for their 20 years or so in retirement. So I was having lunch with one of my clients, a very, very successful doctor, and he works at the time at a university here in St. Louis. And there's a little coffee shop near the university that was put in an old church. Okay. It's a coffee and sandwich shop. They have services at night, like on a Saturday night. It's still a church, but during the day, it's a coffee shop for the students at the university and the the staff and faculty. It's just outside the campus. So it's a neat little ministry. So I'm having lunch with this successful doctor. I noticed somebody standing in line at the counter that I hadn't seen in 10 years. And I said, Brian, he goes, Mark. I said, yeah, it's been a long time. I said, what are you doing now? Now, he was an investment advisor when I knew him before. And he said, well, I'm a pastor of a church. I said, really? Because I had known him for a number of years before. The topic of faith never came up in conversation. And now he's a pastor. Actually, they have three or four churches here in St. Louis. He's the lead pastor. Behind him, there's a young man in scrubs, like medical scrub, okay? And so this young man went to his church, and this young man asked me, he said, are you an investment advisor? I said, yes. And he goes, would you like to come and speak to our residents? So these are healthcare professionals that are in at university, and I said, I'd be happy to. So I went in, I did an investment presentation. There was about 50 of these uh, residents. A few of them wanted to visit with me afterwards on investments because they were getting ready to graduate and start their careers. They asked me, they said, do you know anything about student loans? And I said, no, I don't. What are you talking about? They said, well, we're graduating with between 400 and 750,000 US dollars in student loan debt. And I said, you got to be kidding me. I never even knew you could get that much in student loans. I said, I don't know anything about student loans. I'm an investment guy. A light bulb went off in my head because I wanted to help these people. And so I said, well, let me see if I can find somebody in St. Louis that knows anything about student loans. They can come in and help you figure out what's the best way to repay your student loans. 
I couldn't find anyone in St. Louis. Mm. My corporate career for 20 years, my customers were stockbrokers and financial advisors all over the middle part of the United States. So I knew a lot of financial advisors. So I expanded my search, couldn't find anyone. And guess what? God had a, a market for me. And now Student Loans Rx is my business. And 90% of my new clients come in through that channel. Well, first of all, I have almost no competition in the entire United States. There's, in my industry, uh, very few people. Now, this was seven years ago. I started this business in 2013, and I've never worked more hours. Um, I'm looking for help, and God has just blessed us. In 2013, when I was really struggling, and I just said, God, you know, if you want me to continue in this business, you're going to have to help me. The first three years, I was just doing it in my own strength. That's my story and why I believe that if God has you in business, keep doing what God has you doing. Now, it may not come to a success as quickly as you'd like, because guess what? God's primary concern for you is not the success of your business. His primary concern, now, he wants you to be successful in business, if that's his call for you, if that's what he wants you to do. He's got the resources to help you. He's got all the wisdom, but he was still trying to teach me some other things right? Seek first the kingdom of God. And so he had a bigger plan. And, you know, my business might, I think it's going to continue to be successful, but, you know, God might decide that he wants me to do something else. I have to be open to the idea that he might have something else for me at some point in time. I'm just to bring him glory in whatever he has me doing tomorrow. That's a great testimony. Thank you for sharing that, Mark. The heart to serve is like the opening gates for because you could have just said, Oh no, I don't do that. I'm I'm done with my presentation and not even looked into how can I help these students, which was leading you to what was gonna become your business. So it's an amazing testimony. I think a lot of Christian entrepreneurs we struggle with and how to deal with our finances in a Christian way. Because a lot of times people think, oh, Christianity and money cannot exist together, or they're on the other extreme where it's all money and no Christianity, and just being grounded in the truth about finance. Psalms fifty twelve says, you know, all the world is mine and everything in it. So God has all the resources. And so I think one of the challenges for Christian entrepreneurs is that we're existing in the world and we have to oftentimes plug into the financial system that's available to us uh, to start a business. I don't have any problems or I don't see any problems in the Bible with, you know, borrowing money to start a business. But I do know that when Paul was in his ministry, he had to make tents sometimes because he didn't have enough gifts to sustain the ministry. And so I'm almost of the opinion that I'd like to consider my business really a ministry and not a business. So I'm trying to go through all the words that I learned in business as a salesperson in the secular world, and I'd like to come up with a new dictionary of words that I can find in the Bible to describe how a Christian entrepreneur should look at their work. So do I really have a business or do I have a ministry? Mm, and that's so, powerful. So in finance, which is where I spend the bulk of my day, and I see the business channel is on in the background sometimes for a few hours a day, and I hear of this company just issued an IPO for you know $500 million, and the stock price is this, and, and yada, yada, yada. 
I think of a small business owner, sometimes you may have to work part-time in another profession to continue to feed your family. I've seen some businesses fail because they were not adequately capitalized. Mm -hmm. Um, And so why wasn't it adequately capitalized? Well, maybe they were doing something else that was generating an income and paying their living expenses, and they quit doing that thinking they needed to do this full time because maybe they were impatient. A lot of entrepreneurs have to to do all sorts of scrambling to keep finances coming in because you got to feed yourself. You got to have a place to live. You might have to buy some inventory. The other thing that I really think is important is that, you know, the Bible does talk about finances a lot. Money is discussed several hundred times in the Bible. And so for somebody to just do a quick money in the Bible search on Google and see what verses come up, I think there's a lot to to speak to that topic. If you're married and you have a family, I have to feed my family. I may have to gradually go into this business so that I have the finances to sustain it. It's something I've seen some young entrepreneurs not do that. And they've even said, I believe God is calling me to do this. And I might say, that's fine. But is God also calling you to take out $250,000 loan and stressing out your family and then having to work 70 hours a week and not see your kids and not being able to be in, you know, active in your faith community? So again, God might be calling you to do it, but his timing might be a little bit different than what yours is. That does make sense. Being sober-minded about the way in which we conduct ourselves as Christian entrepreneurs because there's a lot of hype and excitement, sometimes overexcitement, and we lose our heads with doing things. The Bible clearly says always be sober-minded. Take that time to really look at things realistically. So thank you for uh, bringing that out. And especially the issue of timing. We all want things to happen quickly. And I forget the Bible verse, but it says a day is as if a thousand years Time does impact God. He, you know, he's timeless, and but we're not. The idea of patience and what that would look like. I've read business books, and I'm not sure that I've ever seen patience as one of the key principles in any secular business book I've read. But patience is a Christian principle. Uh, if God has placed a, a burden on your heart to serve people in some particular way, whether that's coming out with a clothing line or new shoe or transportation, or a food item. If, if you can be a blessing to someone because God, who is the creator, has given you some creative idea and how to be a blessing to someone, then he's going to give you the resources. It's going to be in the right time. You know, the finances will be there when they need them. It's really important to make sure that as a Christian entrepreneur, our focus is on what is God having me do as opposed to what do I want to do? And that's the challenge. And one of the last principles that that I think really helps a lot with that, and it really helped me a lot and still helps me, is to have some godly counsel. So you can call it an advisors, you can call it mentors, coaches is a popular term people like to use today. First book in Psalms, uh, chapter one, verse one through six, it says, blessed is the man or woman who walks not in the counsel of the wicked nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yield its fruit in its season. So it yields fruit in its season, and its leaf does not weather. 
In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so. They are like chaff. The wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. And it says in Proverbs, without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Maybe the only business strategy that I'm going to suggest is that the small business owners or entrepreneurs that might be listening, that they create a board of advisors for your business. These are mature Christians, maybe somebody in finance, somebody in marketing, somebody in technology, somebody in legal. Pick the main areas that are required in a business and see if you can identify a mature Christian to be on your board of advisors. And you go to them humbly and say, I'm a new business. I'm a young business owner. I've got this idea. I'm starting up this business. You know, I can't afford to, to bring in a consulting firm to, you know, have them design with all of this stuff. And, and I'm looking for a little bit of help. I know you're a very successful attorney. I know you're a very successful banker. I know you're a very successful graphic artist. Would you be willing to be on my board of advisors and commit two hours of your time to me in the next year? You know, some people may say, you know what, Priscilla, I don't have time. Well, is there someone in your sphere of influence? in your type of business, mature Christian, that you think would be a good resource for me or that you would mind introducing me to? As a Christian entrepreneur, we are not competing. We are collaborating. And so one of the most beautiful resources that he's given us is other brothers and sisters in Christ. And it's amazing how we got connected. That's a neat testimony. I'm in St. Louis, Missouri, and you're in Perth, Australia. And we're able to have this conversation and we're we're able to discuss business and, and ministry. And hopefully others will benefit from our conversation today and, and they'll start thinking about that. But that would not have happened if we were not brother and sister in Christ. We would have never connected in any other way. We're, we're thousands of miles away. Now, with the technology we have today, your board of advisors might be an international board of advisors of Christians scattered throughout the world. Let's say somebody they have a, an idea for clothing manufacturing. Why limit their board of advisors to the people within a 20-mile radius of, of their business? Why not find one of the top Christian clothes manufacturers in the world mm-hmm. and ask them to be on your board of advisors. That's true. So the beauty of technology, and so technology is just an outgrowth of the innovative abilities and the creative abilities that God gave humans. And so why not leverage that technology in the way that we can serve people and bring glory to God? That's very true, Mark. And you know, when you were talking about it, I realized for me, I found that a lot of times you have business circles where all you can do is discuss business. And then a lot of people feel like, oh, the church circle, all you can do is discuss church. But that place where you can discuss business and discuss faith at the same time, that's a powerful place for a Christian entrepreneur that to create that space, like you said, through a board of Christian advisors who are mature. That's absolutely dynamite. You don't have a group of Christian business friends and associates then to stimulate that interest and that desire to be successful in business, you're going to have to go to the secular world. So creating a community of Christian entrepreneurs to encourage and strengthen, you can do business together. There's just a number of great collaborative efforts. You can share resources. There's seven wealth advisors at our firm, and, and we're all believers 
And I joined that organization, and that was very encouraging to me. But even in that Christian organization, God had some things that he wanted to teach me in the first three years, and my business wasn't a success in those first three years. I prayed to God, you know, is this, is this what you want me doing? If this is what you want me doing, then you're going to have to put the people in front of me that I can serve. It's been great, great value, and really the meaning of changing perspective to making sure that Christ is the center of the way we do business. Now, I always end with this question, which I think you've touched on, but I'll, I'll just let you give us something to end off with. What has faith meant to you on your journey, Mark? My faith has been evolving throughout my business career. As I mentioned before, the first 20 years, it, it kind of took the backseat to other things. But by the grace of God, today, my faith is extremely important. It's it's the most important thing. It's why God created us. It said he, he created us to do good works. He prepared good works for me to do before the foundation of the earth was created. Having faith is the most important thing in my life. And I'm so grateful that, that God has given me an opportunity to serve people. Oh, thank you so much, Mark. Thank you for taking the time out and for preparing this for us and sharing this with us. I think the audience is really going to enjoy it. God bless you, and I look forward to our next visit. If you got any value out of today's episode, please do share it and leave a review. Let us know how we can serve you better and connect with us on social media, on Instagram, and on our Facebook page at Reinventing Perspectives. We'd love to connect with you. Also, do check out our latest book, The Christian Entrepreneur's Toolkit. It's available on Amazon.com. Thank you again for taking the time to listen in. We value you. Have a great day.